dark and dusty drapes Let in some light Tell the billboy come and get my trunk Cause I'm leaving here tonight Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Meryl Streep in the Movies with Zachary Scott Johnson, Meryl McNally, and for this episode, Sarah Zahn, who is actually in Bridges of Madison County with Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood and some other fascinating, wonderful people as well. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And we're so happy you're here. How are you, Meryl? I'm excellent. Sarah, we're so glad to have you. Thanks for joining us. You got it. Absolutely. This is my favorite part of the podcast when we pretend like we haven't been talking for the last <laughs> Just get to reintroduce ourselves. But yeah, we have been working on this for a while. I'm so glad it worked out. We've been corresponding a lot over the last couple of months. I'm glad we found a date to make this happen. Um, so one thing that I want I thought might be kind of fun with this particular one, I've, we've never actually really done this with any of the folks that we've interviewed. Um, I actually thought it might be fun to just kind of go through the entire journey. Like what, let's actually start even before Bridges of Madison County. Will you tell us about like your background, what brought you up until kind of that point? And then we'll start there. Yeah, sure. So I grew up um, in Winterset, Iowa. That's my hometown, born and raised. And prior to that, I had been I would say moderately interested in music. There wasn't a ton of theater in Winterset at the time. So I had I had played Rat Number Four in the Pied Piper of Hamlin, you know, for one little summer thing. Um, just a, a smattering of things, but I was really into dancing at the time. I was taking ballet classes, and that was really my my focus at the time. And and but I loved I loved school. I was working at a pharmacy, and I was um, a sophomore in high school. Actually, maybe I was a freshman when we got the big, big, big news that Hollywood was coming to Winterset, and that they were actually going to film the Bridges of Madison County there because they had been looking at a ton of other spots. I think even in Pennsylvania, where I live now, they had been considering that as a filming place. Um, but I was just. I was just a little girl in a small town <laughs> with big dreams. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, but it's actually true, though, because about 14 months before all of this happened, I had written in my journal, I was a big journal writer, I'd written in my journal that opportunities just don't come to cornfields. Something really like uber dramatic like that for a 13 or 14 year old. That's a a great line. That's great dialogue. Well, I actually felt it was true. And I was kind of, I was feeling a little bit trapped in a small town. I love dancing. I actually really, really loved the Mickey Mouse Club. And I would, um, I would stare out the window sometimes and just dream of the Mickey Mouse Club truck pulling up to my house and them just knocking on the door and saying, Sarah, we want you on the show. Cause that's kind of how I thought things happened at the time. <laughs> and right. So yeah, so I was dreaming big and writing in my journal about it. And it just felt like really, really exciting stuff when we found out the movie was going to be filmed in Winterset, but I never, I never considered actually playing a part in it. 
So how did you find out, how did you find out about the auditions? Did they, did they post in the local newspaper? Did you hear through the grapevine? I think they did post it in the local newspaper. The, the auditions were at the American Legion Hall. And what they were looking for were extras. And the and they, the production company, wanted actual people from town to fill up the cafe and walk on the street and things. I know they also had auditions in Des Moines, which is about a half an hour from Winterset. So they had had a casting call there, I think before they came to Winterset. And I remember seeing it on the news people, you know, lined up, you know, around the building, you know, hoping for their chance. But I, but I really think that the actual casting was mostly for extras. So I think it had been in the paper and, um, word spread pretty quickly that it was, that it was happening. So at that point then, did you audition as to be an extra and then got bumped up? How did that whole process go? So I was actually not at all interested in auditioning. So, contrary to what I had written about in my journal, I was oddly disinterested. And I remember going to school that day, and all of these girls were dressed up, and they were like in their dress, and they're like, we're going to go audition. And I've always been the kind of person that whatever is like the thing to do, I want to do the other thing. I've, I've not been the one to, you know, like jump on the bandwagon, so to speak. And so when I saw that there was all this hype about it, I thought, eh, you know, this isn't for me. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go to work and do my homework and stuff like that. So that's what I did. I went to the pharmacy. I was, you know, delivering to the nursing homes and things that I, like I usually did. And then my mom came to pick me up and she said, Sarah, she said, there isn't very much of a line right now over at the American Legion. She says, I think you'll regret this if you don't go. So let's just, let's just go. And I, I think if I, if my memory is serving, I resisted again and was like, no, you know, no, uh." she said, well, then you don't get to decide. We're just going. So I really have my mom to thank for this. And she drove me over to the American Legion. I got in line and what um so what they did was they would we go through a line we went through a line they took a polaroid of us and pretty much like as we were walking in and then kind of filled in some little paperwork height weight some demographic stuff so that they could you know when they needed kids or people of a certain age they could pull from that stack or whatever and and so i remember waiting in line again after i had the polaroid taken and someone came up to me and said would you come with me and pulled me out of the line and so then i went into another room where there was a guy in a video camera and he <laughs> said do you know why you're here and i'm like nope I-, I don't know and he said because we think you look like this person and he held up andy corley's headshot and it turns out that they i mean among all these extras there were just a handful of maybe day player plus roles that mm-hmm. they thought maybe they could find within the local uh, stack of people and not have to bring someone in from Hollywood. And um, turns out it was the two kids for the beginning and the end. Um, maybe the rest, like the cafe worker, a couple of cafe workers, you know, just like a few people. And 
So it was, it was thanks to Annie also that um, they thought I looked like her. So then I remember that they, they, this person left the room and said, I'll be back here in a minute. So it was just me and this camera. And I noticed that I could see my reflection in the lens. It was a very large camera for my little eyes. And I, in my reflection, I started making faces at myself and being kind of goofy and just kind of playing around again, because I was bored and alone and I didn't know what I was doing. So, you know, then the person comes back a little later, asks me a couple questions and then sends me on my merry way. Um, and that was how the whole basically audition process went. Wow. Wait, so was the, was the theory then that they left the room intentionally to kind of see what you would do in that room? Well, wouldn't you know it? Uh, the camera recording? was on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't know at the time. And yeah, and on it, like, I remembered it was kind of weird because they didn't have me do anything. It was, again, just here's why, we, like, maybe just awkward questions like, who are you? What, you know, what do you like? How old are you? Kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, they were recording the whole time. Yeah. yeah if, if you watch enough Dateline, you know that if that, ca that camera's always rolling, they leave the room on purpose. This is <laughs> also on candid camera. You know? yes. <laughs> and I'm sure as a freshman in high school, that, that thought is mortifying, but also that's exactly what got you the job, right? Yeah. You being your authentic self. <laughs> I think so. And so, yeah, so a few days later, after all of that, my mom got a call. I mean, again, this is pre-cell phone day. So on the family landline, there was, <laughs> there was a message saying that I had gotten a call back. And could I go to Des Moines for a meeting or something? Didn't even know at the time what a callback was, um, but I was able to get out of school and I went and that callback was with Clint Eastwood oh. and the casting director. Um, gosh, Chenoweth is her last name, I think. I should have looked at... Is it Ellen Chenoweth? Yes. Yes, I believe it. Yes, I believe it was. So they two were in this lovely room in a hotel. And um, that part, again, there was no acting involved. It was just a, I sat down, they sat down. So, you know, Sarah, tell, tell us about yourself. What do you like to do? And that was my first experience meeting um, Mr. Eastwood. <laughs> Yeah, can you tell us? I like. I assume you were aware that it was him, but what was your awareness of like him and all of that? Great question. So yes, I was aware of of him, but and that uh, my mom was super super excited about it, <laughs> but I did not know who he was. And so for me, like he was this tall, quiet, gentle, older man, and that was it. And a very kind, warm lady named Ms. Chenoweth, who is, who is, was also there, um, perfect strangers to me. And when I look back at it, and even as I have, you know, dabbled in acting since, I wish that I could recapture the ambivalence that I had then, because it was, I was unaffected. I wasn't starstruck. I, I think that my most authentic self I've ever been in, in an audition was, was that one where, and, and granted there wasn't, um, a song and dance type of thing to do. They just wanted to talk to me. And I think um, that made a big difference in 
me getting the part and also the pool wasn't very big I don't know that there were many of many of them of us to choose from so there's a good chance it could have been some of that too oh but they did say they did say um, that that they they told me then that the camera had been running and that they knew I was comfortable with the camera because I had made faces at myself and that a lot of those other kids who they had pulled out of the line to also give them a screen test, they were frightened of it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking of all the people who had come dressed up and all ready to go on, you know, audition for their big thing were frightened by it. And, and I just happened to, to not be. Yeah. Did they think that you knew it had been running? No, they knew they were revealing that information to you. Right. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I maybe could have guessed, but I hadn't guess that it yeah. was that it was on yeah did they make you read not make you did they have you read scenes or anything in that edition or was it just literally a conversation every time it was literally just a conversation um they might have asked me to do like a face i want to say like a an annoyed at your mom face mm -hmm. that i think they did yes as i'm thinking about it sort of a which again i don't even know you know just kind of an awkward teenager face like oh, okay uh, but I think that was that was it. No lines, no script, just yes, just uh, annoyed at your mom face. That's so Clint Eastwood, right? <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, how long before you found out? It was not that long. This all happened in September and early October of 1994, and so school had started. So I think it was within a couple of weeks. They were already in town and ready to be shooting if not already shooting so i do remember being homesick from school and getting the phone call from new york casting saying that i had gotten the job and so i it was actually cool because i was able to get the phone call myself and hear the mm -hmm. news myself that i think it, i think they even said they want you sarah they want you and what a what a, what beautiful words to hear <laughs> when you're getting cast and given literally the opportunity of a lifetime and so i remember calling the school where my mom worked my mom was a teacher at the elementary school so i called the office and i don't know if there was something in my in my tone but um the school secretary sniffed it sniffed it out and said sarah you got it, didn't you? You got it. And so she ended up telling my mom that I had gotten it. And I was like, oh, I didn't even get to tell my own mom that I had, that I got the part. But there, I had many opportunities to share that. But I do remember that's how all of that unraveled. Me getting the call, school secretary, you know, a nice, nice game of telephone too. Yeah. <laughs> that I had, they had gotten the part. That's exciting. I can't imagine being a freshman in high school and having that experience. What, what an amazing once in a lifetime kind of thing. It really was. And when I think back to what I had written in my journal just 14 months prior, you know, longing for an opportunity, it, it literally came, like it literally happened. And I really tried not to forget that, like what a gift that was. And I mean, my gosh, to have, how many small towns in Iowa get a movie made there? Well, you know, Field of Dreams happened. But it's, it was truly just something super, super special. And I think I did my best at the time, you know, with at the age that I was to appreciate it and grasp it. But it's also been something that as I've gotten older, I've realized even more so, 
like, wow, like not just to be in a film. I mean, that's awesome. But also to be in a film with these people, right? really it's, it, it, to me, it, it doesn't get any better than Meryl Streep and to have, and as, and now, now I know I've learned so much more about Clint Eastwood and realizing what a legend he is too. It's yeah. So I'm curious, same, same, same question about Meryl Streep. What was your knowledge of, of her and exposure to her before you went into filming? Not much either. I don't, you know, it doesn't say a whole lot about, um, you know, what I had, uh, what I knew about as a, as a high school student, but um, no, I didn't know much about her either. And so when I met her, it was on set and we were shooting a scene, a scene that actually ended up getting cut. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not, I, I think it might've been my fault though. <laughs> Again, because I was just like, it was the scene where she was taking the cake um, over to her friend's house when she shows up um, at the other woman's house who had also yeah. had the affair. So she was, what the scene was, I saw her leave and I ran down the hall to catch her and then just see her drive away. So that was the little bit that we filmed on my first my first day. And I remember waiting in, in another room because they everything was filmed in an actual house. So there was no set. So it was a lot of finagling of cameras and furniture and this and that. And I remember since the scene wasn't together, she was doing her part and then I was doing mine, but she breezed by once and said, Oh, I want to meet my daughter. And that was my first moment with Meryl Streep. She's like, I want to meet my daughter. And it, and it was her maternal energy towards me was consistent the whole way through. It was, so wonderful and true to her from what I have learned since that she is in character she is always all in and that was how she treated me which I think built up a real warmth and a connection between us from the get-go like it was it was never I I'll tell you later maybe what one conversation I had with Meryl Streep otherwise it was Francesca and Caroline Nice. Wait, so before we dive into the movie, can I backtrack? Yeah. And, and talk about like your experience about one thing. I'm just curious about this because I think I would always be curious about this. The social dynamics of being in high school and being in a movie, and especially if, as you're saying, like there are a lot of your peers who are also up for it. How did, how was that? Was that anything negative or was it just, and actually it's kind of like in this area that we're talking about too, because yes, you were in this movie and yes, years later, you would discover, oh, I was, you know, in a movie with these unbelievable legends who are at the top of their, but as a high schooler, you may not know that you're just an A movie, you know, that's your experience time. So I imagine that that's probably the, you probably weren't getting a lot of people who were jealous because you got to meet Clint Eastwood necessarily in the same way that they might've been upset if you got to meet Winona Ryder or whoever right. else. You know? Right, right. Yes, that's an excellent, excellent question. And I think the social dynamic that happened because of that film really, really shaped me moving into an adult as far as how I navigate the um, successes I've had in my life. Because um, the truth is, it was really difficult. I, I had some people not treat me very kindly. <laughs> um, there was some jealousy, 
there mm -hmm. some some friends were really wonderful about it but i think and again to i i will credit it all to our developmental stage you know early teens we're all trying to figure stuff out this is blowing everybody's minds and none of us really knew how to handle it but i do remember that feeling of I acquired this feeling of not wanting to talk about the it or like the fact that I got it. I try, I realized very quickly that me talking about it or even being excited about it would would get some I would get some feedback that didn't feel really really good. And I'm trying to choose my words carefully, but the fact is it was it was really hard. Yeah. And people, you know, some people would say that I was that I was bragging about it and that was that's never been who I am or ever my intention. I've never been that kind of person. So it hurt a lot to hear that. So I really kind of shut down in about it. Um, I remember the, the premiere was really hard for me because it was a, a little bit of an outward thing. It was a little bit showy. They made a big to-do and I could feel that energy, the jealous energy coming from some of my friends. Again, not all. And mostly from more like people who were not my closest friends, but still people who were there. And so honestly, like to this day, not many people in my current circles know that I was in it because it's just something that I, like, how do I bring that up without, I'm always afraid I'm going to sound like I'm boasting about it. And, and then with other things, it's just hard for me to, um, to share because that, that was really difficult as a young, as a young person. And I didn't have, it wasn't like I was in Hollywood where everybody was getting, you know, roles and it was all part of the thing. This was something very different. Only, there was only one of me. Um, the person who played my brother lived in Des Moines. So he had, he was in a different town in a different school. Yeah, that was hard. I imagine, I mean, I imagine it's harder than the situation you described. Like the kids who are in LA, you know, one audition is like another, but you yeah. were like, it was just like being pulled out of a, you were a needle in a haystack. You were the yeah. one in town. Yeah. That's yeah. And basically on your own for the experience, like no one to really share it with. It's that's that's got to be so hard. It was, it was. And, you know, I don't mean to, to damper the experience either because it was really, it was really, really, really cool. And I'm, I met amazing people and have great memories, but yeah, that really, that really affected me. I think, and you know, if I want to unpack that, I think I would discover that it's played a, played a role in how I've, how I've become an adult. I do think it brings up some really interesting stuff about like the line between, you know, genuine excitement for, for an accomplishment for, for something that's happening in your life and, and being interpreted as bragging. And I, and I'm really curious if I, I'd be very curious to talk to the, the, the actor who played your brother to see if he encountered the same thing, or if it's something that really, I think girls face in particular, um, yeah. I, I'd be curious. Be I would be too. Yeah. Yes. And I don't remember off the top of my head if, if he did have a shared experience in that or not. Um, we got together a couple of times. We, um, even, um, went out to California after the film came out and auditioned a little bit and kind of like explored some things. So we did a couple of things together and we've, we've lost touch since. Yeah. I would be curious to know if he had a shared experience. I do know that man, girls, girls can be really hard on each other. So sad. Rough. 
I, I do think it manifests itself differently. Guys, guys would have been different to another guy about it. I think probably less like just deal with it, get it over with in one way where it like it festers, I think a little bit more, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a good point. Fester. That is it's just that slow burn. Of, yeah. <laughs> of, well, yeah. now back to happier things. Let's talk about the actual filming itself. So your first day you were talking about, um, Oh, Meryl, we lost you there. I'm sure she'll come back. Um, that first day being there, what else do you remember from that first day? That first day. So I remember um, being taught and told very quickly about um, matching, about doing things the same way each time. I, this was way, all of this was way outside of my, you know, I didn't have a framework for it. And so I had to literally be told everything. That little scene that we did, I ran down the hall. I was followed by um, Steve Campanelli. His, his name has always stayed in my mind as he was the Steadicam operator. And I remember it was so cool because he had the camera strapped to him and he followed me and we did it several times. And that was the scene where that face came in and from the from the screen test, because I ran through the hall, he followed me, opened the door, saw the car drive away, and then they had me turn around sort of towards the camera with the, you know, what, what's that about? And I remember um, Mr. Eastwood's like kind of giving me some direction on the face. And... Uh, I just remember too not being able to get it, like trying several times, like, you mean like this? Like, or, and like, no, more like this. And like, okay, oh gosh, I just remembered uh, struggling with that a little bit. And which is, I think, what, again, when I say I think it was my fault that was cut, I think it's because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get that right. Uh, so that was that. And it was at nighttime. I also remember meeting Annie that day and Jim, um, Victor, who, who played the older son. The brother, yeah. Yes. So Victor Slezak, that's his name. So I remember meeting the two of them. I think they were doing some of their scenes that day too. So I remember meeting them and then heading home. So there really wasn't much that very first day, just that and getting to meet a handful of people. Yeah, I imagine the like, this is what it means to hit your mark. This is what it means like being walked through all of that. But they knew what they were getting at the same time, you know. That's true. That's true. If they're if they're not going to bring in the professional, they'll they'll get <laughs> <laughs> they'll you know which they did. I do. They were so helpful. And when I when I say they um, the the you know production assistants and things, there were people who were kind of coaching me through. In fact, I remember. One of the biggest days of filming was when we did the the, din the lunch scene. When I, I come in and I turn the radio and it turns into voiceover, but you really kind of get a sense for Francesca and her like kind of where she's feeling, what she's feeling. And that day, I remember Jim Haney, who played my dad. He pulled me aside and reminded both me and Chris that if we don't do the same thing each time once we start filming then he said then we may not be able to use it and you may not make you may not make the film and it was a it was a good moment of just this is really this is really serious this is work time make sure you do this and chris and i were both like okay 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 and got it i think for the most part but it was hard to remember the sequence of passing the food and 
all that stuff. And actually in that scene, there is a moment where I grab a plate of bread for a second and I like kind of move it <laughs> and I don't. And I know, I can't believe that made the cut because I am <laughs> thinking it's time for me to pass it and I realize it's not. And so I don't do, I just sort of like semi-slide it and go back and watch that scene and you'll, you'll see what I mean. I can't wait to watch that. <laughs> yep. It's, it's, that's a little gaff right there. <laughs> Sarah can't remember. She can't remember the sequence. <laughs> like I'm just going to hold real still with the like, bread. <laughs> I, no, I'm not going to pass that bread. No, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> uh, hey, that happens in real life too. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yes. Gonna no, I'm going to keep it. I'm gonna keep yeah. It right. Myself. Right. <laughs> I'm going to keep this pretty close to me because soon I'm going to want another slice. That's, oh gosh. Yeah. So, so, so nerve wracking and none of us wanted to mess up, but. Um, how, how long were you on set? How many filming days did you have? Oh, it was a handful. Um, not too many. I would say over the course of two weeks, I missed probably three days of school and had a couple of weekends. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What can you tell us about the Clint Eastwood set? Is it true? Is it really the calmest set in the world? Is it really the like most, does he, they say in the documentary on the DVD of this thing that like he makes his golf tea time at four o'clock every day. The, the, one of the producers said something about, she showed up to filming at the very end and it was so quiet. They were filming upstairs and she said she didn't even think there was anybody in the house. It was so quiet. Wow. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it was super, super calm. And he, um, I think, you know, that's his nature. And then like, typically, I think, you know, whoever's at the helm, that kind of trickles down, I think a little bit. And, and the, he would always say, go and stop. And sometimes he would actually talk through like while we were filming that was a little unnerving for me. I didn't quite understand that. But he would sometimes direct us as and I don't, I still don't know how they took his voice out, <laughs> honestly. Um, but he, but again, he would talk through it. Maybe they just didn't use that take, I guess. Uh, but he would always film the rehearsal. That's, that's something consistent with him. And sometimes the rehearsal would be all we'd do. And he'd be like, I think, I think we're good. Yeah. I remember one, one time in particular that I remember him speaking through, like while we were filming was, he, um, I came into, came inside the house. He's like, okay, now turn the dial. Like he was pretty much all of that stuff. He was telling me to do it as I was doing it. And now sit down. He said, no, Sarah, why don't you fold your hands and say grace? So I, grace. So like he was kind of saying it through the, through the process. And so, and it was always very gentle, very calm. He never rose his voice. Everybody seemed to get along super, super well. It was a very easy easy place to be. And even though I may have been nervous, it wasn't because of the atmosphere. It was because I didn't, I had never done this kind of thing before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That so is I my, that to be your first experience on a, on a film set, right? The dream. It's true. It's true. That the moment the scene you're describing is my my favorite moment of yours in the film is when you know because she had just turned the dial to what she wanted and you just walk in the room and turn it to like you why you don't even 
which is very teenager, you know? Totally. Yes, which I think is why he did that. And um, the other thing, this is as I'm learning about how, how all of this is done, there was no music playing, of right. course. Like, no. And, and I remembered thinking that at the time, like, okay, there's no music playing. And then figuring out later that, oh, they'll put that in, <laughs> in post. Yeah. But even then, I didn't understand why there wasn't any, any sound. When I found out that like dance scenes and movies, you know, like big dances have, have no music playing and that those poor people have to dance around them. I was like, um, this is horrible. Yeah. Or like party scenes, you know, where everybody's like grooving or clapping. Like, like you can't, you can't actually clap. Yeah. Or talk. Yeah. You just, yeah. 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 All that stuff. No, it's, it's true. Which again, puzzles me about why he would talk as we were acting. Well, that'll be a mystery for forever. I think. I think it's the mic'd versus unmiked thing. You know, it's probably just, and you can edit, you know, audio yeah. pretty quickly and easily. That's true. If you can edit in, you can take it out. Yeah. So what else, like, what what else do you have specific memories of from the filming of this? Well, one of my favorite memories was that same day while we were filming the dinner scene. And which by the way, um, because of, again, being in, within the house, we only had one camera. And so each angle had to require a complete, you know, reset of, of everything. And yeah. so there was a lot of, a lot of waiting around. Uh, but it was during that day that I had my, my one conversation with Meryl Street and we were just waiting for the camera to be reset. And she asked me, she said, Sarah, are you a dancer? And like I said, at the beginning of this, like dancing was my thing then. And for anybody to, to look at me and think that they might tell that I was a dancer was the highest compliment I could have gotten. And so I was so honored. I was like, yes, yes, I am. I, I am a dancer. And then she proceeded to tell me that her daughter, Grace, who was seven at the time, she said, my daughter, Grace, she has the gift. Like, I know I can tell that she's a dancer. And she said, but I can't believe what I did. She said, I put her in dance class and I didn't know that the class was supposed to have a certain color tights and a certain color leotard. And she said, I just, I took her to dance and gave her red tights and all the other girls were in pink tights. She said, and now I can't get her to go back to class. Oh no. She said, I don't like, I don't know. I, I gotta, she's like, and she, so she was just kind of just sharing this story and what has been my one of my greatest like questions of my life is did grace ever get back to ballet <laughs> i don't know i, don't know. I mean my, my niece went once and and the the teacher repositioned her arms and mm-hmm. she was done for oh. she's like won't she won't go back and she'll she'll do like ballet videos on youtube but she will not go to class i think oh. So there must just be something again like if that if that doesn't go just right yep. you know oh golly so that's that like was, every mom's worst nightmare i got that yes absolutely and and it really seemed like she was heartbroken over this and uh, and now that i'm i'm a mom i i have an eight-year-old like i I get that. I, that feeling of just, you see certain things in your child and you want to foster that gift. And 
So that was what we talked about. And I don't remember what I said. I just remember her telling me that story. And then before long, it was back, back to the scene. And every other of our interactions were, like I said, was very maternal. Um, you know, I don't believe she used the accent during that conversation, but otherwise she, she would. And we didn't have a ton of other, a, a ton of other interactions or stories or things. We would, we would all eat together in a big tent for yeah. meals. That was so fun. And I remember she had a, an anniversary while we were on set. So her husband came and they were riding around set on a golf cart and just, you know, wonderful little, little snippets of memories like that. But, but the, that conversation in the, in the kitchen was my, our most special. So if anybody knows if Grace ever got back to dancing. Yes. Let us know. Yes. Suppose we could ask Grace. I don't know if she'll tell us. <laughs> These days we, we could, we could maybe find, find that out or find her, ask her. I don't know why I haven't done that yet, but. Maybe now, maybe now is the time. <laughs> <laughs> public, public, I met Mamie once, but you know, it's, it's hard to, I think they're all pretty, they keep isolated for the most part. I mean, everybody's isolated right now, but I think they, right. it can't be easy growing up with Meryl as your, as your mom. You know, I mm -hmm. think they probably are just bombarded with questions anytime they go out, yeah. probably. So they probably just yeah. don't go out as Often, but. Right. I remember reading an article about Mamie doing a show in New York. So I believe that she's, if not a full-time actor, she is one. And I would love to see her perform. Yeah, I think a couple of them are. Um, yeah. Grace, Grace, Grace has been, yeah, Grace has been on a few things. She's been in uh, the newsroom. She was on the newsroom for a while, the TV show. Wow. And Mr. Robot, too, I think. Huh. That's so cool. You may, you may have to... Yeah, you may have to edit this out, Zach, but I think, wasn't it Grace who was in the show at the public? Um, yes. That yeah, was Grace, exactly. right? And, yeah. And I, I can't remember. It was, a, was it a Tony Kushner play? It was. It was, yeah. The last time I was in New York and, and Meryl and I got together, um, I had tickets to see Grace in a play. Thank you for reminding me. I completely forgotten about that. And something- yeah, I saw it too. Like, oh, you did see it. I don't think I yeah. knew that. Yeah, I yeah. never- I never oh, did. You, yeah, you ended up not going. Well, no, I went, but then the play was delayed. There was something technical wrong or something was happening. It, there, was, there had been a matinee. It was a Sunday. There had been a matinee and something had gone wrong. And so they were running rehearsals again or something. I still don't know if it was technical issues or if a scene needed to be ironed out. It was very near the beginning of the run. And so curtain was at like seven or something. I just gotten into town. I had something, I think the next day was the thing I had to sing for that Tony Bennett gala thing. And I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to be tired in, and they just kept pushing it later and later. They weren't going to start till like nine and it was a four hour play. And I was like, I'm not staying for this. Like, yeah, it was Kushner's A Bright Room Called Day. Yeah, that's right. And they had, they had revamped it to kind of bring it up to speed because it was written in you know, Reagan era and was very set in its time period. And so he updated it for the public. And I mean, it was a, it was a packed cast. Yeah. How was it since you did um, see it? I don't know how I didn't know that, but. I would say it was a mixed success. Some, some elements of it were fantastic. Michael Yuri was a highlight. He was amazing in it. Um, 
and uh, Linda Emond was in it, if I recall, and she is always a highlight. She's amazing. She was in uh, Julie and Julia with Meryl Streep. And um, yeah, but it was long <laughs> and it was, it was not always successful. <laughs> yeah. It's tough to always be successful. Yeah. I, I'm always successful either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. So I think they're pretty much, I think all of her kids are in the, cause her son is a musician. And then I think all of the girls are in, you know, acting in one regard or another. I mean, Mamie had a, had a television show for a little while. Hmm. It was so cute. Was it? It was Emily MD or it was something about a doctor. It was adorable. She was fantastic. They canceled it after like 13 episodes. Yeah. And I was a little heartbroken because I thought it was fantastic. Hmm. We went down the, we went down the Meryl Streep's children. (laughs) I love it. And I'm realizing like, I need to go do my, check all these shows out. And I'm, I'm really curious now. Like I may, I may take a risk and, and see if I can find out about Grace and her dancing. You should. Yeah. And let us know if you ever find out too. Um, That I'm I'm glad we did that. You know, it wouldn't be an episode without a weird ass tangent. We are known for our tangents. It's like, it's guaranteed. I love it. And that one was pretty close to home. Sometimes they go way out there. True. Um, all right. Well, let's see. Let's pick it up from there. Okay. So then let's talk about after the filming had wrapped, um, there was there was an actual uh, premiere in town. They did one in Iowa as well, or did you go to California for it? I didn't go to California. I, there was one in Winterset. And there was kind of one in Des Moines, too. They had like a premiere-ish showing type of thing. Um, and I think I went to that first before the premiere premiere in, in Winterset, which there was a one-screen movie theater there. And that was where they premiered it in Winterset. Nice. Who, who came to that premiere? Did, did, did everybody come or... No, 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 um, none of like none of the biggest, uh, the heavy hitters. Not no. I was of course everyone was kind of excited that maybe Clint Eastwood would come back and maybe Meryl Streep would come back, but I think um, no, they. It was my brother Chris Crone. He came, and and then I think there were some. Gosh, I'm trying to remember. Maybe some like contributors or producer type people who came I remember I was interviewed right there like on the carpet ish by a Des Moines news team and that was actually really special it was by one of my favorite anchors she was so so kind and so warm and really helped me with my nerves and you know the feeling of being out there and trying to celebrate this thing um as a teenager that was that was neat. That interview was neat. And getting I remember though being nervous because after having heard during the filming that if if I don't, you know, match well that I might get cut, I remembered thinking, I may watch this and not be in it. So I had prepared myself for that and was really was really happy to see that that most of most of our scenes did make it. Yeah. Did you have any other stuff that was on the cutting room floor that you remember? No. Although I do have one story I want to tell you. 
um, about when we, I see it. I think it's when we come home from the fair. <sighs> I'm not proud of this, <laughs> but I tried to make the blooper reel intentionally. <laughs> I because I had seen an gag reels and thought they were hilarious and how everybody erupts in laughter when somebody goofs up. So I, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. Um, I had, we were getting our suitcases out of the back of the truck when we pull, drove up this long driveway, we're coming home, this pretty, or you know, highly choreographed scene, come out of the car, go hug mom, she's waiting on the porch, all that, you, you know, all of that return. One time, I decide, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have trouble getting my suitcase out. And, and everyone's gonna just gonna laugh and laugh and think it's so funny. So, oh, geez, I'm so, it's, it's, it's embarrassing, like reliving it. So I remember going around and like, like my suitcase, I get it kind of caught on the lip of the back of the truck and try to pull it out. And like, oh, oh, no. you know, and I start laughing and someone says like, uh, you know, get, there's a lot of confusion. Like, oh, cut, like, Sarah, do you have a problem? Like, is something wrong? It was not funny. <laughs> Oh, Everyone thought it was a legitimate problem. Uh, like, oh, there's a problem. She can't get the suitcase out of the of the truck. Somebody, we need we need to make sure that she can get at the thing. Totally, totally failed miserably. And I, and now I remember later, like I know now, just how costly something like that is. You know, having to reset and oh, but nobody I, knew, right? Everyone thought you just had a legitimate problem. That's yeah. what that's what they thought. Um, little and now, now everyone knows that I was actually <laughs> I thought it would be funny to try and make the blooper reel. And there isn't one for this film. There's, there's I was no gonna, blooper reel. I was gonna say, I am mildly curious what that blooper reel would look like in general. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Meryl well, Street stepping on Clint Eastwood's foot while they're dancing. <laughs> right, right. I mean gosh you know all these one take wonders and you know moving on stuff oh gosh oh, I've, I've learned i've learned so much since then <laughs> you know and uh but it's um that's the truth that's something that's what i thought i thought would be funny so do you feel like this movie really like solidified your your path as a performer like is it, is it part of what made you continue or were you really I mean especially with dance were you already headed down that road oh that's a really good question I may have been already headed down that road I ended up going to school for music and theater I didn't end up going to LA or moving out there um and I it was I think very wise for my parents to say you know I needed to go to college and get a degree that means and some training honestly like actual training and I singing is actually my first love now and that's what I've pursued more than anything else so I have you know you know with my I did join SAG and I've been able I live not too far from Philly so I've done some some film work in Philly but that's something that's never really taken off um, for me and I think it's I think it's could be me like my own choice because while I love film I think it's film is super exciting I personally love the the theater more and the point a to point b I I love the journey of actual theater it's hard for me to to take things out of 
out of sequence. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but then again, I've not really had a role role since then in film. So I'm not really sure, like maybe I would be able to navigate that. Okay. But it's just, you know, as, as opportunities have arisen, it's been more in the theater and more into music and less into, into film. I mean, that doesn't really answer your question, Meryl, as far as it does, though. Did, it, did it really open? But I think, I think it piqued the interest. It certainly added some excitement to things. And certainly as far as like considering what might I like to do, what could I do? It certainly made me think along those lines, but yes. Yeah. Theater and music have been more where I've, landed so to speak which leaves me kind of curious you in our first correspondence you said oh you need to listen to the to the score for this like you need to check out the musical you know thing for this too that seems like if there is ever an opportunity assuming that you're the same voice type i don't know um that how would that role sit for you like would that be interesting to play that role now later you're a little young still for it but Yes. And we talked about that too, as far as yeah. age and casting. Um, no, I think I'm aging into Francesca. I'm getting there. I would love to play her. And I, um, there was a time when the musical came out that I thought I would, I would really like to try to play young Carolyn. I thought oh, that sure. would be super cool and super fun. And Caitlin Canoonan, is the one, or I may be mispronouncing her her last name, but she right. ended up playing broad playing Carolyn on Broadway, and I remember that was really surreal to see pictures of her playing a character that I initiated. Gosh, that's 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 a cool slash weird feeling, and I've always wondered like how could I bring that up to her and not <laughs> and not be not be weird about it but i would love to talk with her about it but i don't know maybe maybe that will come up but i think i would yeah the the voice part of francesca the way that jason robert brown has written it um does suit my voice type and i've sung a couple of the numbers of francesca's numbers for cabarets or concerts and things but one of my favorite songs from the musical is to build a home did any of you by any chance get to listen to that? Meryl, you're nodding. Yeah, I heard it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It tells her story from yeah. being a young newlywed in Italy and then coming to Iowa and then her, like the building of her life and growing into a woman and ultimately defending her choices is what, <laughs> is what the song is about. And I love it so much. Um, she even mentions the name Winterset, or, well, Jason Robert Brown wrote the name of my hometown into the song. And so that's something else that I love in singing it is, is getting to say the name of my hometown and that beautiful song. So I am kind of holding out a torch a little bit for the opportunity to play Francesca in the, in the musical some, somewhere and some somebody make it someday. Happen. Yeah. yeah. Somebody can happen. Somebody produced this production. Yeah. That, I would love it. I, I have not, as we've talked about, just to fill everybody in, my objection to it has not, I haven't listened to the music. I'm sure it is beautiful, but they, I looked it up and it's like young, hot people in it. I'm like, this isn't the same. Like they're, they look like they're like late thirties and really attractive. It doesn't seem like the right thing to me. I think you're right. I think they are late thirties. I feel like they 
capture the essence of the characters. Kelly um, O'Hara, right? Kelly O'Hara, yeah. yes. And the voice part, I mean, there aren't many people um, with voices like hers who could carry a show like that in the more classical sense. And she's, and it is more about watching Kelly, I think, play this part, which she does beautifully. In fact, it was also previewed at uh, Williamstown, I believe, and one of my other favorite sopranos, Elena Shadow, got to play Francesca, and I've been a fan of hers for a really long time. Um, she several Broadway credits, um, but yeah, she Elena Shadow is her name. She's another beautiful, wonderful actress. But again, I think she's just now forty, so also a little bit younger. Yeah. Um, interestingly. So while they had younger people play the main roles, younger than the scripted characters, the young lady who played Carolyn was not 15 when she was in it. She was in her 20s. So it kind of goes the other way, too, a little bit, which I suppose is, you know, that's theater for you. They can right. that's adjust a, the ages. Yeah, you can you can put somebody in a wig and some old person makeup and covers it a little bit. But yeah. Yeah, I, I do see your point, though, Zach. I definitely, <laughs> I do, definitely. And um, hope that maybe theater can become more age-friendly and, you know, do some more age-appropriate casting. If someone's 45 and someone's 65, let's get the 45 and 65-year-olds on the stage. Talk about a tangent. So I went to go see Mamma Mia on Broadway. Like, it was right towards the end. It was close to coming to a close. And the sh- I can't say the show was in great shape at that point. <laughs> but my mom really wanted to go see it. So I was like, come on, mom, let's go, let's go see Mama Mia. And, you know, there were, um, there were older chorus members, dancers, and I would put them in their 50s and 60s. And I was so shocked to see them and then shocked at my shock because I did not realize what I hadn't been seeing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I didn't realize that I had been watching youth on stage for however many years and that I had not, that, I, that it was missing this demographic. I guess just truly didn't realize it, especially in the chorus, right? A dancing chorus, you don't, you don't usually see. Part of, part of that is physical health, but part of a huge part of it is aesthetics. And I was like, whoa, I had my mind blown a little bit. A I little can bit. see that. Yeah. 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 Well, and I mean, that it goes back to, we don't have to rehash, but like when we did the film, that was one of the things that we talked about that originally the studio allegedly pitched, you know, who is it that was going to, it was somebody else besides Clint that was originally going to do it. And then the, even when it was Clint, who was probably 65 or so at the mm-hmm. time, something mm-hmm. like that. They wanted him not paired with Meryl, who was about to be 45, but they wanted somebody a decade younger than that. You know, like those kinds of things that don't really yeah. work out. And it's not any better. In fact, in some cases, it's worse on stage. It's just you can get away with that shit when it's on stage because we can't right. tell. Too far yeah. away. Yes. <laughs> there's, no, there's no HD close-ups. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, I, I, remember, I remember you talking about that. And, and yes, and there were a lot of people in the mix for... Uh, Francesca and Robert, uh, Robert Redford, I think was in the mix. And I remember was, like Isabella Rossellini right. was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. Any, you know, and there were some interesting names. I think Angelica Houston was one of them, mm-hmm. you know, like there were some 
Isabella Rossellini would have been great in this movie, probably. You know what I mean? Like there are people, it's not so much that they would have been wrong for it. It's just that that age discrepancy thing. But actually it, it is kind of that they were too young for it really, because like you do need, like that's what's great about Francesca is like, she's already kind of lived a good chunk yes. of her life and yes. you need that regret. We're, we're rehashing that episode. They can just go listen. <laughs> it's a great episode. Go back and check it out. Lots of, lots of good, lots of good discussion. Uh, thank you. Well, um, yeah. Well, it's so cool to hear about these experiences. So, like, what what is next? You're you're doing teaching. You're what what else? Where can people connect with you? Slash, do you want people to connect with you? Oh, <laughs> sure. Yes, I would. I would love that. I'm I'm moderately on social media. I my Instagram is Sarah Zahn singing. And you can, anyone can find me there. And I think the same, um, same place for Facebook. I am inconsistent with my posting, but I do check those messages and would love, you know, if anybody has any other questions or wants to connect, I would, I would be delighted. Uh, so yeah, so there I, I'm a mom of a young child running for local office. I've got, you know, a lot of irons in the fire outside of the arts, but it's still, you know, a huge, huge, important part of my life. And, you know, I have, I think to your question a little ways back, Meryl, I think, I think I do have the, the film to thank for that. And certainly it brings me so much joy and it's so fun to get to talk about this with you. Like I said, I don't get many opportunities to chat about this time in my life and this experience. So it's really been so fun to get to, sh you know, relive some memories and share some of those stories, including the embarrassing one, like when I tried to make the blooper reel. <laughs> Good. Can, can we also point people to your website? Oh yeah, um, sure. Yes. Sarahzon.net is my, is my website. And every, if it, everyone should go check out Sarah's YouTube videos of her gorgeous singing it's oh, really yeah. something to hear everybody go listen sarah's on.net do it thank you yeah. meryl thank you yeah. so much i i really appreciate that yeah yeah so i do i do have some passion projects that i try to keep in the works and you know as far as singing goes and and stuff like that that's really if i get a chance to perform it's mostly for singing these days nice well before we let you go Mm -hmm. um we do you have i i'm really putting you on the spot here but and if you don't have an answer i can also just cut this out but i always ask people we always ask people like do you have any other favorite meryl roles like could you give us hypothetically a top five if not could you just name a, a movie or two that you love of hers yes um i think one of my absolute favorites maybe my top favorite is mama mia oh okay um, I don't remember where that fell in your um, discussion before, but one of the reasons I love it so much is that, well, she gets to sing in it oh. and it's, she portrays the mother. Like I, and maybe I saw it at a form, like a special point in my own life. Like I was starting to look at motherhood and all those layers. She's just so wonderful. Um, and I love the scene where she is singing, um, gosh, the name of it is, it's when they're getting ready for the wedding and it's a bit of a montage 
scene and she and her daughter are getting ready and like school bag in hand I've school got the bag lyric. In hand. Yes, yes, yes. I, don't, I don't know what it's called yeah oh gosh I can't even, but that song too it just really slipping I probably, through my fingers slipping through my fingers there we go yes thank you Meryl yes so I love that one um you know, I'm not too highbrow when it comes to my favorite. I liked her in Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> um, She's genius. It's so good. It's just, <laughs> yeah, all the different colors of, of her. You know, some of, I did watch her older ones, like Sophie's Choice and um, Out of Africa. All, you know, all of those, which, you know, are just really, really incredible performances and how different they all are. And I remembered, like, now I, I can, people saying how great she was at accents and then being able to watch some of those films and see, like, wow, like, I believe her. I believe her. And, yeah, but it's some, it's, it's the lighter-hearted ones that, that have my heart. The fun <laughs> I, I think there's something to be said about watching Meryl Streep have fun. Mm -hmm. Because there are some roles that she really has a ton of fun, yes. you know, and that, and those are highlights for me too. So I understand. Cool. Yeah. I you know, oh, go ahead. Sorry. One thing I also wanted to uh, throw in the, when Sondheim had his 90th birthday celebration mm -hmm. last year, you know, we were all stuck at home and it was like, turn that on when she did the ladies who lunch, oh, that, good. not a film, but one of my one of my top favorite performances. I've re, I've watched that a number of times too. A highlight in the robe with the martini, oh, right? Yes. Yeah, so good. Fabulous. So I, I mean, it makes sense for obvious reasons, but it seems like most of these choices are later career too. Like she wanted to have fun at a certain point. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and she like talk about you know ageism in in the arts. I remember that was like. I feel like the Bridges of Madison County was a real turning point because women of that age and older were just not getting cast where like it was, a, as we mentioned, and as you mentioned in your previous episode, it was a hurdle to get her cast at nearly 45, you know? Right. So, and then I think since then it's gotten better for women. And, and I think she's, you know, a huge testimony to that. She's, continued to work and continued to advocate for herself and get great roles and other people have too thanks to her yeah 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 although there can always be more and i think yeah. uh one of the things that everybody says is like meryl always gets them first and then everybody else kind of gets the whatever's left <laughs> <laughs> that's what susan sarandon will tell you anyway you know? yeah. mm. <laughs> but i think that's okay i think <laughs> Let her, let her have her pick. <laughs> yeah. Gives us more material to talk about. That's for sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 But this also, she's just always seems to also be just the epitome of a class act. Right. So, you know, she is aging beautifully. She seems true to herself, authentic in every way. And it's just as a human being, not just an actress, I feel like she is just someone we can all look to and take notes from and you know and maybe be a little bit more of our own authentic selves too yeah yeah no there's no like embarrassing moments of her like the one thing that you could say about her was like harvey weinstein produced a couple of her films but that's hardly her fault you know what i mean right. like that that's it that's all you got him yeah <laughs> you know? yeah yeah and she's she's you know raised a family and four amazing kids in right. as a as a hollywood 
actress. Yeah, she's yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. impressive. Very, yeah. very much. I know, so. right? Yeah. Yeah. Do the fake movie clap. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, you can add in the clapping later. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'll add in the super <laughs> fake clapping noise, so they'll really want. It. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This was fun. This was a really fun. Awesome. You're welcome. Thanks again for asking and for, yeah, just, just finding me. It's, it's been a huge treat and just great to meet you both. You too. Even on zoom. I would love yeah. to, yeah, let's, I would love to meet you in New York sometime and we could go see a show. I will hopefully be moving back soon. So <laughs> I will keep in touch. No, this was super fun. I really, really appreciate you asking me to come chat. And it was fun. Share a little bit. It was great, great part of my day. Thank you. That's all.